Will you rescue me? Please. I am that kitten stuck up in a tree. Rescue me. I am the burning building with flames of fright. And I am the sweet old lady hanging from the burning building's balcony, screaming, save me, save me. I know I am a witch with a crooked nose, an overbite, a couple doubled chins, but I promise even beyond this frizzy red hair, I can look cute. I can please. And if you save me right now, I'll even drop to my knees. Please. There's still a timeline existing with my baby self trapped in her crib with the door shut, locked, heavy metal music playing in the living room to drown my cries, and I am screaming. Rescue me. Rescue me. Save me. Please. Please save me. I'm an insane, sexual, shadow witch. And my name is Lacey Free, and I'm the fucking host of Horpod. Welcome to Horpod, the Rescue Me edition. Now, I know I fight with feminist fury. I've been on the prowl in activist communities. I tap into sacred rage and I can tell someone to fuck off. But ever so often... This little baby Lacey grabs the wheel and frantically reaches out to have anyone around me, any job, a new adventure, a situation. I jump in both feet, dive into the ocean in hopes to be saved, in hopes to be rescued. I know that can be confusing. I'll get up and do such brave poetry, and then I'll sit down hoping the person in the coffee shop next to me asks me to have a life together where we create babies in a forest and 
start building a sustainable community. None of this is logical, but I just keep hoping that I'm going to bump or tap shoulders with the next person who's going to rescue me from this reality. And it's not that I don't like the reality. It's not that I don't believe that I'm creating the reality, which I am, which you are. But time is not linear. So there's still little laces that exist in this realm that affect this realm. And sometimes those little laces take the wheel and man, they want to be held, comforted, supported. And can you fucking blame them? But I have done a disservice to myself and my friends and partners in my life because there's been this frantic, extreme need of a new chapter. I decided to do this episode right now because we just had, well, two weeks ago on the full moon, we had the eclipse. And that eclipse was the feeling of lightning striking, of things being burnt out or severed drastically, immediately. And for me, it felt tumultuous, traumatic, Things I've really loved and been clinging to, things I thought were going to save me, became my poison because I was clinging on to them so freaking hard. And they were becoming my poison, but I kept telling myself and the people around me that the poison could be medicine, that the weapon could be the tool if, if I held it correctly. But the truth is... <laughs> That shit was weighing me the fuck down. And when you grow up with a ton of abandonment, it can be really hard to consciously choose to release, to consciously choose to let go, to consciously choose to end a friendship or a dynamic because you're so used to being the person who's left that it almost doesn't feel right to be the one who's leaving. But that eclipse did it for me, like zap, boom, bang. And it severed ties, it switched timelines really quick. And that little girl in me, when she starts to feel abandoned again, wants to reach out into the wind or into the world or a new career desperately trying to find a savior because when I was growing up no one cared enough to save me no one cared enough to come in and check on me when I was hurting so I'm healing that right now part of that eclipse was really shining light on our shadows that we thought we got rid of or shadows that we've never perceived within ourself. And holy shit, did I perceive some shadows within myself. 
and since that full moon, tomorrow, I'm recording this Wednesday, tomorrow is the solar eclipse on the new moon. It's a ring of fire, fire energy, transmuting energy. Now, that's about new cycles, new beginnings. And it's really not about like manifesting it. It's kind of like it's showing up as the work we've already been doing and it will take place. It will manifest itself around the new moon. Not that we even have to like put effort into it. We already put the effort in. But the the full moon was really about release for me anyways. And it was making me reevaluate some of the mass and shadows that I still carry on my physical body and which ones I have to diminish to call in the new. And one was this energy of needing to be saved. And I think a lot of people have experienced this. Um, And I think that it can be very subconscious. Now, if you're a person who experienced childhood trauma, you might find yourself subconsciously creating chaos around you like being late for work or getting into a lot of car accidents or drama directed at you and you kind of can't really place where this is coming from or just like the craziest things out of the blue happen to you. This is no shame if you feel like you're that person and if you're not that person you may know someone and it's like oh man they are so reckless they are just fucking shit up left and right and I want you guys to know I am that person or I have been I'm trying not to identify with that story so much anymore but I'm a person and I come with a ton of vibration, a ton of energy. And in a way, I think it's my power. And in a way, I think it's my wounding. Now, I want to clarify, every time there is a wound, it is your power. So our wounds are our gifts. Rumi says the wound is where the light shines in. But holy shit, can it be exhausting? Now, I'm talking about this because I don't think we've, as a culture, shined light on why this chaos may be happening. And this isn't to blame the person who kind of is a tornado everywhere they walk. And you may be in a relationship with this person and be sort of perplexed at times. And it's not about judging or victim blaming the person who's experiencing that. And it's also not all bad. The person who kind of is a tornado everywhere they walk. It's also the person who shakes things up, who gets to the root, who ruffles the feathers. Um, Oftentimes people who come with this sort of chaotic vibration energy are good at reading energy. They're good at assessing a room. And they're just good at getting to the core of the matter. And they're good at planting new seeds. It's destruction energy for new crops to grow. 
sometimes when we grew up with a huge abandonment or physical trauma or sexual trauma, we may subconsciously be recreating trauma on the outside, on the external world to test the waters to see if someone will come save us. This is just one aspect of it and I'm going to go way deeper into what that means. I I know that may sound fucked up or manipulative, but I don't believe people who are traumatized are trying to be fucked up nor are they trying to manipulate. It comes from the energy of hypervigilance, of being overly aware of everything happening in the surroundings and specifically how others feel about us. Because in that trauma, we were so conditioned to have to size people up in case they were going to hurt us. We were so conditioned into tapping in to whether that person likes us or not, whether we were in trouble, whether someone was mad at us. So sometimes we can subconsciously create scenarios that bring in tragedy in hopes that someone comes in and helps us. Because that energy of helping us, because of that energy of saving us, that's very connected to how we perceive love as traumatized people. And what I mean by that is if you were hurt or sick as a kid and you were screaming from your crib and your mom didn't come in to check your temperature or give you a hug or a bath, that was automatic messaging in the nervous system, in the energy field around the body, that you're not loved, that you are not safe. People with chronic trauma oftentimes don't feel safe in their own body. So they're looking for external factors to bring homeostasis into the energy field and the physical body. And we associate this acts of service of checking in on us or helping us as love because like for me, when I was young, it felt like none of the adults would help me. I didn't feel loved at all. It felt like this void, this absence of love. Not being loved as a child can create a void space within the physical body. So it can be turned into this inverted light within our own bodies, this, this void space. And then we go out into the world um, not even realizing that we're constantly trying to fill this feeling of the void within our physical realm and this harboring belief system that we are unlovable. So many people get confused or judge the girl who had domestic violence in her house and then ended up with a boyfriend or a husband who beats her. 
Well, there's a few factors in that. One is most of the time when we are with our parents and there's some sort of abuse or violence, we jump into the first thing that feels like love. Like, he smiled at me. He bought me roses. I know he has a wife, but he loves me. He loves me now. This energy of excuses because we felt this sense of love and there's such a huge void in the physical body, that inverted light. So we sort of jump into the first relationship of the person that says, I love you, or pats us on the head, or cuddles us at night, or fucks us really good. Because we don't actually know what love is. In our head, this dude is saving us. It's like, oh, you saved me. I don't have to live in my hometown now. Oh, you saved me. My dad's not going to scream at me at night. Oh, you saved me. I don't have to pay my rent anymore. Whatever we feel like we're being saved from comes from the external and it can turn into poison very, very quickly. So there's this internal fire alarm within the physical body and people who feel chronically unsafe that alarm is always going full force within the body just constantly day night 2 a.m 4 p.m sunny weather snow it's a constant fire alarm And I think this is even different from fight or flight. It's just this constant feeling of our nervous system going haywire. And our body's just saying, alert, alert, alert. So then we can't live in that constant state of alert, alert, alert. And we begin to ignore the alarm. The alarm starts to sound like beat a beat it starts to sound like a rhythm like music we forget that we're even traumatized we forget that there's even an alarm system going off and so once that alarm system starts sounding like music it only starts to sound like music when we say fuck I can't handle being scared all the time so I'm just gonna disassociate a bit from my own body And when we start disassociating from our own body, we may not realize the real fire alarms going off. So someone who's been in a chronic abuse as a child may end up in very traumatic, abusive situations in their 20s and 30s because that they're so used to the fire alarm going off that when they're in their everyday life, they didn't notice the red flags. They didn't notice the person following them to their car or that the red flags in their relationship that they were being cheated on. They might not have even noticed that it didn't feel safe where they are living now. So they traumatized people are more likely to enter extreme circumstances and 
put themselves in extremely unsafe situations because they're so conditioned in turning off their awareness to emergencies. I realized one time this was happening to me. I was really working on my own healing and therapy. This was years ago. Um, and there was some trauma happening and relational trauma. And I couldn't even recognize it as abnormal or relational trauma because it still felt more like love than the non-love I had received from my family. But sometimes when there's trauma happening and we have that constant fire alarm, we suppress our emotions. We say, oh no, it's fine. That's just the fire alarm. It's actually music. It's fine. And we don't realize we're suppressing our emotions. And when we're suppressing these emotions, that doesn't change what's physically happening in the physical body. What I mean by that is we can suppress feeling nervous or unsafe or angry. But as we're doing that, we're shoving it in our body and our endocrine system that controls our adrenals goes haywire. Our nervous system is still going haywire. If our endocrine system and our nervous system goes haywire, that affects our immunity, that affects inflammation in the body, that affects us grinding our teeth, that affects our sleep. It definitely 100% affects our cortisol levels. Our cortisol levels affect how we hold physical weight on our body makes us really hard to lose weight if our nervous system is haywire it's hard for our body to digest and absorb nutrition because we eat certain things and that alarm system's going off and is saying you're in trouble girl you're in trouble so then it's saying, oh, what I'm eating isn't safe. It doesn't have nutrients. So our body just adapts and doesn't absorb the nutrients. It treats everything like poison. Do you hear that? If we're in a state of fight or flight, we can start to feel like everything is poison, even the, the food we're eating. Every relationship has a level of unsafety, and it's really hard to discern which is which. So even when we suppress the emotions, our nervous system is still going haywire, which affects our digestive system, our stomach, and our immunity. Meaning that in my situation, I was suppressing relational trauma, pretending it wasn't trauma, because I was still hoping that it would bring me love that I've never gotten before. And I didn't think I had bad feelings. I was like, no, I feel fine. And my stomach was like, bitch, you don't feel fine. And I woke up and I was throwing up really bad. And it was really scary. I could just tell that my body was really off. It was shaking. So I went to take a shower and 
I was in a friend's shower and it was one of those claw bathtubs and it wasn't really meant for the shower. And if you did take a shower, you had to be really careful with the shower curtain so that the water wouldn't leak on the floor. And I was so out of it. I just laid in the bathtub and let the shower pound on me, not paying attention so dissociated from my own body that I didn't realize that I didn't put the shower curtain on right and then the water was just overflowing overflowing out of the tub to the point and I think I was in there for like an hour and I think it had started right away this was a really old house and it was at the point that the water had come out onto the floor and started leaking through the basement that it started fucking up the ceiling of the basement it was the ceiling of the basement was like leaking water it looked like it was raining in the basement and I got out of the shower and I had slowly realized what the fuck just happened and I was supposed to go to work And I was like, what did I do? I'm always creating chaos. I didn't mean to do this. Everyone got really mad at me. And they're just like, how can you not pay attention, Lacey? What's wrong with you? You can't waste water like that. What the fuck are you doing? And they're right. But even hearing those words shot me straight back to being a kid and being told like everything I'm doing is wrong. That I always fuck shit up. And I told the person I was in the relationship with, I was like, could you come here and like help me with this roof? And he was like, no, you're always creating chaos. You're always creating an emergency and telling me that something was wrong with me. In a sense, he's right. But I wasn't consciously trying to hurt my friend's house I wasn't consciously trying to hurt myself or cause any sort of an emergency, but it did lead to a scenario where I was like, fuck, can you guys come save me? Can you help me with this ceiling? (laughs) How do we not get this to turn into mold? So I was suddenly frantically needed a lot of help and I needed people to show up for me. And I think that goes back to this energy of subconsciously, please save me. But it also goes back to that alarm system. For most people, it would have been an alarm. They could probably see or hear the water hitting the floor. For me, I was so deep into my own dissociation and so used to that alarm going off that I didn't realize an emergency was happening till too late. I think, and this doesn't blame anyone. Sometimes emergencies are just emergencies, so I don't want people to get freaked out by what I'm saying. I'm just talking about, for me, like constantly creating, and I think I've really moved out of this in a lot of ways, but I still think it's important to highlight. But this constant creating of chaos or extreme events, and sometimes magic people don't have a lot of trauma and just sort of manifest extreme events because they're more interested in that video game. They're more interested in the adventure of a good story of a wild event taking place 
So I understand that. Emergencies can bring really cool characters to the scene, and this isn't about shame. But for me, it was like, fuck. It helped me because it helped me to realize about this fire alarm thing that happens to people with trauma. And you can learn more about how our body subconsciously responds to trauma, even 10, 20, 30, 40, 60 years after we've been traumatized. You can learn more about that in the book, The Body Keeps the Score. It's really one of my favorite books ever written. I think it's a game changer. If you work with someone in trauma or you yourself have been traumatized or you're in a partnership with someone who's experienced trauma, please read from front to back. The body keeps the score. Take notes during it. But for me, it helped me realize about how I had disassociated and shut off my internal alarm system. It helps me to know that because part of my own trauma response is immediately going to, I'm bad, I'm bad. And when you start saying you're bad and thinking you're bad, then then the hologram, the video game we're living in, the universe, will reflect that to you instantly. So then it can become this domino effect, this trickling down of chaotic situations. Like first, I this chaotic situation happened because I was experiencing just some dissociation from my physical body. Then the water came down and an emergency happened. And then I called a person who I wasn't in a healthy relationship with. And then they told me I was a piece of shit for letting it happen. And then I started telling myself I'm a piece of shit. And then the universe started breaking shit rapidly because that is what I was putting into the universe. Holy gosh, I don't know if that just made sense. But trauma can really become a domino effect fast. And there can become an addiction in being saved. There can become an addiction in the cortisol levels that spike in our adrenals. But the cool thing about all of this is that it can feel overwhelming. I hope this episode doesn't feel too overwhelming for you guys up to this point. But what has helped me is knowing that nothing on the external is going to save me. And at first that was a very lonely realization But then after I sat in the lonely and the grief of the pain of being lonely, I think for me, there's always been this, oh, I'm going to find a perfect man and a perfect relationship and that will save me from not having family. I'm going to build my own family and that will make up for my family being insane to me or make up for their addiction issues. And it won't. And I frantically have wanted that so bad in ways that I think I've pushed it away. And now I think it's much more healthier for me to sit and be like, yeah, family's not going to save me. They might not even help me. Only I can sit with me. 
only I can save me, which is really easy to say and different in practice. But we'll talk about the practice of it in a minute. There's something in the spiritual community that also comes with this energy of saving you. The guru will save you. Cults, spiritual communities, and religions, and gangs, and strip clubs, and pimps have very similar energy of saving people. They have very similar energy on preying on the broken people. And I don't actually think anyone's broken. But what I mean by that is is searching for the young people who have never had family. Gangs, religions, cults, strip clubs, they really love when people work for them. And I say work, it's because you're, you're benefiting them. You're giving your energy, your time, your money, your resources, something to either this religion, this cult, this gang, this strip club. Not that I'm not trying to say all of those things are bad necessarily, but there is a collective energy within them that seeks out people who don't feel like they belong anywhere else, who feel like they never had a family or someone who has their back. They say, if you risk your life for me, if you give me your resources, I'll be your family. I'll have your back. I got you. I will release you from this pain. Here you will feel whole. You'll get this, this, and this, and you'll be better. And there's some truth in it, you know? You can go to an amazing spiritual community and feel bliss that you've never felt before. You can work at a club or be in a gang and feel like, wow, these, these people will die for me. These people accept me exactly who I am. But it's a dangerous, windy road. And certain people who end up in abusive relationships, it's that same energy like, I'll give you family, girl. I'll give you the thing you've been externally reaching for. They see that you want to be saved. They see that the traumatized person needs and wants to be saved. So they magically drop in to provide external validation, monetization, attention, love bombing in order to save you. So I remember growing up in Denver and, you know, I would go to certain spiritual readers or tarot readers. I would be in the art community. In a sense, I did find real family there, kind of. In a sense, I like really didn't because a lot of them have families, you know. That's one thing that irks me about the energy of find your tribe and like soul family. You hear that a lot in the spiritual realm. Like, I would come to healers and be like, I have PTSD from being brutally raped, and no one loves me, and I don't know how to survive daily. And tarot reader after tarot reader, psychologist, yoga instructors, art professors, or just, and you know, I don't blame them because they're just 
probably doing the best they can in what they're in. But there was so much of the energy of find your tribe. Just find your tribe. Find your soul family. You can make your own soul family, Lacey. You can do it. So then I was frantically like, oh, okay, this is up to me now. And just like had my binoculars out searching for this soul family and ending up sometimes in very strange dynamics because I was treating strangers as if they were family. And in a sense, strangers are a reflection of us and a part of our larger soul family. I'm not saying that isn't real, but I'm saying in the 3D, these people still had their families. They still had somewhere to go on Christmas. If they were in the hospital, they still had their mom to come or whatever. And I was putting myself in precarious situations with this um, guise as this was going to be my family. So I was I wasn't taking care of my own needs and bending over backwards to please people in hopes that I'm like, are you my family now? Are you my family? Remember that book? I don't know if you guys know this book, but when I was little, I had a book called Are You My Mother? And I think it's a little bird and he just goes around asking the whole town, are you my mother? And I feel like I spent most of my 20s doing that. Are you my family? Are you my family? And I think we can be each other's family. I think we can grow strong bonds. But not if we're coming from the energy of save me like I was. Not if it's coming from this desperation of I need family. I've done the most healing in my rock bottom moments when no one else came to save me when I couldn't even get a friend on the phone. And that sounds sad, and it was fucking sad. But in that, I learned to save myself. In that, I've been learning to self-regulate. One way to self-regulate is really just getting in tune with our physical body. A lot of times, people who've experienced any form of trauma become so out of touch with their own body that they don't realize it. If you ask a child who's been traumatized or an adult who's been recently traumatized, how do they feel? More times than not, you'll hear, I don't know. And it's because they literally don't know. There's such a huge disconnect. I I did EMDR therapy for a long time and she would make me the therapist would have me tell her where I felt it in my body. And I was like, I don't have a fucking clue, lady. I don't feel it anywhere. And I didn't. And I still, even though I'm really body conscious and I read other people's physical and energy body for a living, it's easier to read other people's than adult, than sometimes my own. Because if the ground shakes a little or there's a new timeline or there's new changes, my body automatically goes into that disassociation and I stop knowing how I feel. So how do we bring healing to this need of being saved? Integrating with the physical body always. Some ways to integrate with the physical body is getting massages from someone you trust at a place that feels safe to you. 
deep tissue massage is really amazing for trauma survivors. Acupuncture helps us helps our nervous system that's been going haywire and we don't even realize it. I remember going to the doctors and them being like, your cortisol levels are five times higher than the average human. Are you really stressed? And I was like, no, I feel fine. And I like do. I, it's like you don't even feel that stress. Your body just is so used to adapting to it. But acupuncture can really help the nervous system. And I think it's way more woo than we realize. And it can help align previous timelines. Um, sun can be like sitting in the sun can be a way that instantly integrates us with the physical form. Sun is very activating. Getting into the body, yoga helps balance the right and the left hemisphere in the brain. Meditation can help calm the nervous system and help us start to enter back into the physical realm. And meditation is the best place to clear energy blocks in the energy field. Sometimes we have physical ailments due to trauma and we have no idea it's due to trauma. For example, kids who've been traumatized are 55 times more likely to get to have or get asthma. Um, I use water for getting into my body and water as rituals. So Epsom salt baths, hot springs. I love water in nature. Um, It helps us connect to the mother, which helps us connect to the mother within self. Connecting to the mother within self can help us from this need of an external mother. A lot of the reason gangs, spiritual communities prey on the traumatized people is because they have such a blistering mother wound. But tapping into Mother Earth can help us become our own mother. And when we become our own mother, we learn to save ourselves. We learn to go get that screaming baby out of the crib and rock her ourselves. Now, an herb that I absolutely love for getting back into the body for healing trauma and I feel like it's so helpful for my brain is rhodiola before I tell you about rhodiola I also want to say yoga nidra yoga nidra is like you feel like you're just going and taking a group nap with people which is very awkward if you're a person who's come from extreme sexual trauma group napping cuddle puddles not usually my most favorite thing and it took a lot for me to integrate into that to surrender into that but I luckily had a really good teacher in Denver who taught yoga nidra Jeremy Wolf and I just appreciated his energy and Yoga Nidra helps rewire the neurotransmitters in the brain. So it can be incredibly, incredibly healing for trauma survivors. Also neurofeedback. Research neurofeedback. Okay. The herb I love for healing my own trauma, for healing the stress, is rhodiola. Now, rhodiola 
are bright, beautiful yellow flowers. These flowers are adaptogens, meaning they help the physical body adapt to stress. Um, They help the physical body adapt to physical stress, chemical stress, stressors in the environment. Rhodiola boosts energy and it reduces stress-related mental fatigue. It's really good for the brain and brain fog. It just turns us on. Bing! The light goes on. And it's a mild stimulant, but it's not recommended for anyone who is already taking stimulants or mood-altering medication. So be careful of that. And remember, I'm not a doctor. And trust your own body. But rhodiola can improve brain performance. I love the magic of rhodiola. It was used in war. When we come from trauma, we can feel like the rest of our life, we're just stuck in this extreme war. And to everyone else, it just looks like we're nuts. But we are still in the war. Our bodies, our nervous systems are still in the war. And rhodiola helps us heal the war. It can by improving the brain performance and it increases exercise performance. To help get in our body, exercising is key, but not exercising in a way that's disassociating. So sometimes I went through phases in my life where I'd be like addicted to the gym, running on treadmills, go, go, go. And you can do that, but balance is key in it as well when integrating. So rhodiola enhances the physical endurance and Vikings used it to help increase their performance. Rhodiola was an herb of war and the Russians kept it secret. This flower was grown in Asia and Russians appropriated the herb. And they, they spent money within the military defense to make it a, this herb a secret. They did not want America to know about how rhodiola helps with the endurance. It helps strengthen mental capabilities. So rhodiola didn't even come to the United States till the 1990s because it was a secret weapon in war. Now, warriors are supposed to be like the saviors, right? So in magic, I see rhodiola as the herb to allow us to be the saviors for ourselves. We can be the saviors for ourselves. It's okay to have community. It's beautiful to have soul family, but it will become toxic and destructive if you place the soul family in a hierarchy above yourself, if you place the guru above yourself, if you place me above you, that's going to become poison. Rhodiola sees you as the savior. It sees you as the holy one. And it helps you save yourself. You can do a ritual under the sun with rhodiola to try to tap back in to enhancing your own personal power. 
I like to take rhodiola and then do yoga outside. This gets the right and left brain going. Breath work is also really good for the, the healing and the saving of ourselves. I love you all. Bye. listening to horror pod if you want to book a reading with me you can go to my website laceyfree.com or follow me on instagram at lacy is free for more of my poetry and i'll start doing more lives on there about energy and herbs if you have questions about herbs or about sex or your own superpowers or you want to do a healing session with me laceyfree.com is a great place for that if you want to support horror i now have a patreon my patreon is lacy is free and you can pay five dollars ten or twenty it's it's just a pay what you can because i really want to break down hierarchy it's just to help support Horpod, honestly. It's to help me make these episodes. The Patreon is more to support this. So only do it if you feel called to it. And thank you for your support. I love you. And I'm sending you all sacred fucking rage. And love. <laughs>